If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Before we get started today, I wanted to remind you that if you want more out of life, there is another way. What if there was a way you didn't know about? Whether you're lacking momentum in your business, getting the same results, you're in, you're out, you don't have a supportive environment, people aren't encouraging you to live your dream, or you're tired of not living into your gifts, you're doing something that's unfulfilling, but you want a life that excites you, I know I can help. All you have to do is get on a call with somebody from my team that's going to help you understand the strategies and tactics of success. Go to rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, and we're going to help you rock your money and your life. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call, and let's get started today. Welcome to a special edition of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. My name is Rock Thomas, and I am your whole life millionaire mentor. And I have the privilege of guiding people through a process and contributing toward their success of becoming whole life millionaires. Now, a whole life millionaire is somebody that doesn't give up their health and their relationships in order to become financially free, or at least on the first step toward building up the habits and behaviors to do just that. So today I have a special guest, one of our graduates, Michael Jones. He's a badass out of Austin, Texas. And we're gonna learn about his story about what was life like before the journey began, where is he today, and what are some of the things he learned. So welcome to the podcast, Michael. Hey, Rock, thanks for having me. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite sessions because, you know, they say that facts tell, but so stories sell. And your story is something that's going to lend proof to other people that, you know, can you move the needle? Can you go from where you were to where you maybe want to be? And what are some of the things that change? So let's talk about prior to the journey that you kind of dove into this personal development and worked with us in M1. Where were you? What were you doing? Um, and let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. So I've always been surrounded by personal development, although I can't say I appreciated it much as a kid. Um, you know, I thankfully I had a, a dad that was into Tony Robbins that uh, really believed in the power of the mind and set of goals. And, and so uh, to a certain extent, I had some of that guidance, but I hadn't embraced it myself. And so I was actually at a mortgage sales conference in 2014 when I saw Hal Elrod for the first time. And the Miracle Morning, his story, and, and picked up the book and, and started doing the Miracle Morning from there. And that's really when I would say my personal development journey started. So I would have been 26 at the time. And um, it, it really was just like that aha moment. You know, you can't ever go back to the way things were because now you've tasted, you know, what it looks like to, to really be intentional about your goals and, and have a way to achieve them. And, and I've always been very driven, but it was always just sort of this undefined passion I had. So um, that's when it got started. And um, from there, um, I was able to get into to tribes. Um, Diego Corzo introduced me to M1 and I got to know you and the rest of the group. And, and it's really just been, and uh, it's been quite the journey since then. So, oh, sorry. When was that? Do you remember what year it was that uh, you started this journey with this this mastermind group? 
Yeah, so I joined in, I think it was April of 2017. Yeah, so that was whenever I got into M1. Yep. Okay. And did you own real estate then? I know you're, you're, you're selling mortgages, but did you own much real estate back then? I did not. So uh, mostly uh, I, I was somebody that didn't really like debt. And so I was debt free for the most part. And, and um, but I, I, I knew the power of investing. I knew the power of real estate, but I just was always afraid to take that jump. And so I bought my very first real estate investment property, a single family in, uh, in a tertiary market to Austin in March of 2018. So that, and then that was just kind of the start from there. Okay. And so what do you own now? So I own six doors uh, in that market. So I own four single family residentials. I own a duplex. And then I actually, in December of 2020, sold a 10,000 square foot medical facility that I designed, built, um, leased, and then ultimately sold. And so I've got 1.245 million sitting in escrow right now under contract for 34 acres of raw land that's zoned industrial. So that one's a little bit harder to quantify because uh, it's not door it's not square feet it's just acreage at this point um but i'm i'm on track to close on that in june and then start building on it so and what will that project project look like what can you make on that you turn that uh, that little over a million dollars what do you hope to turn and in what period of time so I think I'm looking at about a 36 month horizon uh, from the moment I can really turn the dirt till I'm, I'm either out of it or I'm fully leased. And so there's two separate parcels. There's a 23 acre parcel, uh, which I'm gonna put a couple of medical, maybe office uh, buildings on. So that's gonna be about four acres of it. And the rest of the 19 acres is gonna be all industrial and um, looking to, to really make that kind of plumbers, electricians, and anybody that needs to move up. So the biggest building that I'm gonna build there is about 30,000 square feet of just kind of shell industrial space warehousing. Um, and the cool thing about it is it's located right next to the airport and it's located next to two uh, major highways in Texas, I-35 and then the 130 toll that goes through and around Austin. Um, so I'm really excited about that. So that's 23 acres and then 11 acres is very similar to it. So all in, I think I'm going to be able to put like 350,000 square feet of building. So I went from 10,000 square feet of medical on one acre to 350,000 on about 34 acres. So it's going to be a big project for sure. So where do you get the confidence to do something like that? You're, you're not a developer per se, right? Yeah, uh, failing. Um, so uh, I actually, I was involved in a residential construction company, a custom home construction company for a few years and just learned some of the ins and outs. Um, and that was homes and I'm dealing with commercial, but a lot of it's the same, right? So we're all pouring a foundation and there's plumbing and electrical and you know, you've got a roof and all that. So while it's different, a lot of the basics are the same. And so I learned what it meant to make sure I had a good contract and budgeting and, and taking things out to bid and not to go crazy with change orders for buildings that'll drive up the cost and you don't get the ROI on it. So um, ultimately, I had to shut that company down at the end of 2018 after about four years of just not being profitable and just headache after headache. So I learned a lot from that, but it gave me the confidence to approach raw land and say, I I've put homes on raw land and you know I had to kind of speculate on demand. So that gave me the confidence, but it was through failing for sure. So when you when you started this journey in 2017, what was approximately your net worth, would you say? I, I think, and you know, this is going back a few years, and I've been trying to track it a little bit, but 
I was probably sitting at about 250000 or so in net worth. And where would you say you're approximately today? So I actually filled it out at the end of March. And so I am sitting at $2.5 in net worth. A large part of that is bundled up in that land that I'm getting ready to develop. But basically 10x. Yeah. So for those of you that are listening, we have a document called a life plan that tracks. It's like a dashboard and we get people to track everything. And we believe that you can't improve what you don't measure. And tracking is so important because when it's in front of you, your attention goes to it and you can tweak it and you can add to it and you can delete things that aren't working. So has that been a good tool for you working with that one sheet slash life plan? Yeah, it has been. Um, I've always struggled with it's kind of setting long-term bucket list, you know, type goals. And so it's really helped me to think down the road a ways and be intentional about those, those bucket list adventures, those things that really allow me to sit back and say, man, that was a great life um, because I enjoy working. I enjoy working hard. And so it's easy for me to get caught up in the grind of just kind of working and, and slugging it out versus really stepping back and saying, you know, what do I want my life to be? And, and it's not all about work. Um, and I really like the division of the gardens because for folks that are trying uh, to make the most out of their wealth and earn and, and accumulate, it's very easy to let your health go by the wayside or to, to really destroy all the relationships around you. And so having those eight gardens that we're intentional about really keeps us on track. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, what have you done with your health? And you mentioned before that you kind of started with your morning routines, but what have you done specifically with your health? And then we can transition maybe a bit to your relationships. And Tony Robbins does this thing where he draws these circles on work, relationships, and self. And often people come to this epiphany, right? Where they look at it and they go, oh my God, I spend 85% of my time at work and 10% with my family and I have nothing left for myself. And then they're overweight, diabetic and, and struggling, or you know, they're running triathlons and they're working really hard, but they always have the excuse they're never home. So how did those three circles kind of, what awareness was brought to those three circles for you and how did that play out? Yeah. So for health, um, you know, I'd always been, I, I'll call myself, you know, naturally athletic, but not, not a superstar by any means, you know, just able to, to get involved in any sport and do fairly well at it. Uh, but as I got into my mid twenties and I was working, uh, I was just, I was staying up too late. I wasn't eating right. And so being more intentional about waking up at 5.00 AM and, and focusing on health, um, I started running, um, I started lifting. And so I would say I was probably at my peak fitness in 2019 before our friend COVID showed up and uh, I allowed that to derail me. It didn't need to, but I did allow it to. And so in 2021, I've really gotten back on the health wagon. Um, next Sat Sunday, I'll be running a half marathon in Austin. So I've been training for that. I've been hitting the Peloton and just being very intentional about it. And then through that health garden, I've also signed up for a half triathlon in September in Texas. So I've never done anything like that. I'm excited for the challenge. Uh, so that's health. And then relationships, um, you know, that's something that definitely I, I didn't pay enough attention to prior to this process, um, being willing to be authentic and transparent in relationships versus wearing the mask that I thought people 
you know, expected of me or, or trying to, you know, uh, protect myself. And so um, reading books and, and really having good discussions about just showing up and being authentic and if people like it great. If they don't, that's them, but you know, at least it's me being me and, and not trying to hide. Um, and so that's shown up in my marriage, um, you know, being more authentic with my wife and, and trying to go deeper and then being a dad. So I've got two kids and uh, really just being hyper intentional about the time I spend with them and and the lessons I try to share with them and making sure that I don't try to provide a lifestyle that, you know, ultimately they enjoy in the moment, but they look back on and say, I never knew my dad. And so I want to make sure that I don't repeat that sin. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Okay. Congratulations. So we talk a lot about creating um, horizontal income, which is passive income. Most people would know um, multiple streams of income. Uh, how has that played out for you? you? You still have your mortgage company. You still work in that. A lot of people would say, man, you get this great development. Why don't you just pour yourself full time into that? Why don't you just make that your thing? What decisions have you made vis-a-vis -vis that to you know, maintain multiple streams of income so that um, your wealth continues to grow and you don't have all your eggs in one basket? Yeah, great question. So that was a newer concept for me um, because I I kind of grew up with the traditional belief of just put your money in the stock market and just you know continue to save diligently. And through this process, I just realized, hey, I didn't want to spend 50 years working to get 10 years of of life, you know. And and hopefully, you know, we don't have any more 08 crises or any other things that wipe out wealth along the way. Um, and so that's part of the reason why I got into real estate is being able to get the monthly cash flow off of those, as well as the tax benefits and depreciation and interest deduction. And then maybe the biggest thing is just having the debt pay down um, because that debt is being paid down all the time. Even if the cash flow isn't super, that debt is being paid down. Um, and then, of course, appreciation in America right now has just been crazy. So for me, it hasn't been as much of how can I maximize my uh, the amount of my horizontal income. I've tried to focus on how many streams can I put together um, and then have that long-term debt pay down and, and some appreciation along the way. Um, so that's uh, uh, part of the reason why I switched into commercial is because I could go from a stream into maybe a river um, because with commercial, you got bigger dollars and you've got stronger tenants a lot of times, uh, notwithstanding COVID. <laughs> and uh, you're, able to, uh, you're able to get that horizontal income up much higher for maybe not a whole lot more effort. So that, that's why I switched to commercial. Yeah, nice. How many streams of income would you say you have right now? I have... I have eight. So six of those would be from my single family doors. Uh, a seventh would be from my commercial activities. And then I wrote a book. Uh, this would be the eighth one. I wrote a book back in 2016, I think it was, maybe 2017. And that income is is very small, but it is income nonetheless. And it's always fun to just kind of see like, oh, hey, you know, I sold a book overnight. And um, so I, I would say about eight. Yeah, I can relate to that last one as well. So uh, let me check out what you think of this metaphor. I think that, <clears throat> like you said, we were, we were raised to get a good education, get a job and work for 40, 50 years and, and then retire and get 10, 20 years of life. And it's kind of like <clears throat> you're one player on the basketball court against five. Food, transportation, housing, uh, all of your miscellaneous, you know, apps and things like that. And then whatever you choose, you want to buy a motorcycle, a boat or what have you. So you kind of like five major categories that that are constantly coming at you and scoring against you called debt. 
And then you get out there on the field with your one job and you're trying to fend off these five other players. And I always thought that this journey of the whole life millionaire was how quickly can you recruit and add another player buy your first single family home or maybe write a book. And now you've got your book in a single family home. You got three players on the field. You got a little couple of people to pass to. You're not working all the time. Now you're up to eight players against five players. What kind of momentum do you have? What kind of confidence do you have? You could have one or two of your players sitting on the bench during COVID a little bit tired, not doing so well, but still not fall behind. What do you think of that as a metaphor? Yeah, I think it's great, um, you know, because it, the, the amount that we rely on just that W-2, uh, we think that gives us a lot of security. And yet we if, if we don't own that company, a boss could come to us one day and just say, hey, you know, I'm taking your, your best player out and, uh, you know, you don't get to play basketball any longer. And all of a sudden you're totally flat footed. You don't have any sort of a safety net. And so um, I think folks really just realizing how little control they have working a nine to five and a salary, it's predictable potentially, but it's not controllable. And that's ultimately what'll, what'll shipwreck people is they just get crashed along the rocks and then they're, they're stuck, you know? Yeah. So tell me, Michael, how important was it or how did it contribute to your progress in, um, in being with other people that were going toward a similar destination? Because if knowledge was all that was required, anybody could Google anything today, how to buy real estate, you know, how to become rich, but it's not just that, that. And what I found is that, you know, the SEC, support, encourage, and challenge. When you're running this half marathon, you're going to be doing it with other people. And you might be a little tired, but the guy beside you is kind of passing you like, well, if he can do it, I could do it. And you kind of speed up a bit. How much of that contributed to your progress during uh, M1 and in the mastermind group? Yeah, it's been huge. Uh, it's one of the biggest reasons I joined them one because you're exactly right. You know, most of the books have been written out there about how to uh, accumulate wealth, how to be successful. And a lot of times it's just putting that into practice. But what you don't get, what you can't get out of a book is that community that pushes you. And so you can see somebody that's really crushing it in one category, you know, whether it's health related, you can go, man, you know, if that person can run a marathon, like I can, I mean, I got the same body, you know, it's not like they, <laughs> that they're made any different than me. And so it really does just push you on to go, okay, somebody within my community has done this. Maybe I can ask them questions or they can just be an encouragement to me, um, or it could even be income related. So I mean, it, within the M1 group, we've seen some folks do some really cool things that are a little bit outside the norm, but aren't that far out there. And you can realize like, oh, wow, okay, it is possible to do it this way. And let me figure out what that looks like. So a hundred percent that having that tribe of folks around you that want more out of life, that maybe expect more out of you than you know, maybe you've been willing to expect that of yourself and it really just helps pull you along. And then you can be an encouragement to them one day as well. Um, and obviously that can, that can help fill your cut back up just being an encourager to others. So it, it's really key. I think, uh, in order for, for you to hit your goals is to be in some sort of a community, um, that is, is very focused themselves is being held accountable and then really wants more out of life for sure. What do you say to the person that says, Oh, but I hold myself accountable. Um, that's great. Um, but every single star athlete out there has some sort of support system, you know, whether it's a coach, a mentor, uh, they have their team to help keep them accountable. 
account. Um, I, it's so rare to find somebody that is a true lone wolf. Um, and even then, what you think is your maximum oftentimes is not. And if you have somebody that can give you that perspective, uh, oftentimes it'll help you pull even more out of yourself than you thought. So, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's no lone wolves out there if, if you really want to hit your, your maximum. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Um, did you make some friendships? Did you do some business with people in the tribe? Did you, did you do any activities or bucket list adventures? Did any of that happen for you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, definitely made some great contacts with folks. And what's cool is not all of them are in the United States. You know, you get some perspective of Canada, you get some perspective of Europe and, and just other places around the world. So that's been a lot of fun. Um, it's been great hopping on calls with folks during the week and just hearing about their journey, being encouraged by them and, and being able to share where you're at. And then, yeah, I was able to attend Mexico a few years ago, and that was a blast. Um, got to do some really amazing things that I still think about and talk about today. We saw whales jumping out of the water, um, got to take a cool boat ride, go snorkeling, uh, you know, all those fun things. And then went up to Canada. Uh, that was another great trip. And um, really just being able to see these people face to face and be encouraged by them. That's where a lot of the bonding happens. Um, it's great to meet online, but it's really fantastic to meet in person. So that was good. And then I'll be uh, going to Arizona with y'all in, uh, in about a month to do a little masterminding. So that'll be fun. Well, fantastic. It's going to be great to see you there. Yeah. And, you know, it's one thing to um, go to a Tony Robbins event and popped up for a couple of days and go back home. And the reason I created M1 was that I realized people need the ongoing community to maintain that. However, coming to an event every three, four or five months allows you to meet the people that are all running this whole life millionaire race. And you've been in communities with them. You've been online with them. You've been on calls with them. How has the um, power of the pod uh, affected your journey? And let me just give context. That is three, four, five, six people that get together twice a month, sometimes once every week. And they hold each other accountable. They talk about their goals and challenges. And it's like an accountability partner, but it's like four or five. And the reason is that an accountability partner may, you know, one week be taking care of their mom or be on a plane. And then things tend to drift apart if you're not really committed. So the pod allows for one person to be busy doing life, but maintain the structure. Um, how did, how important was that for you access to a pod? Yeah, I think it's really important because if no matter what mastermind or group you're in, um, it's always best to connect on a much smaller level. You can get more intimate with people. It's easier to share. It's easier to be held accountable. Um, and so that, that's that been a big deal um, because if you're willing to be held accountable and you, and everyone can kind of drop that barrier of, Ooh, well, you know, I don't want to step on somebody's toes, even though it's in their best interest, um, that's where a lot of the magic happens. Um, and so I, I'd say that's been really important. Um, and the other thing, too, is just because I'm focused focusing on one garden doesn't mean that somebody else is focusing on that same garden and they may be doing really well in another garden. And so I can hear about everything they're doing and get ideas and encourage them. And then the other thing I've come to realize as well through the last four or five years is that you just, you're never going to be a hundred percent on, you just aren't, even if you have the best of intentions, even if you have kind of these, um, these long periods of time where you're just hitting on all cylinders, uh, there's just this natural flow where I think you retreat, whether it's intentional or unintentional. And so being in that pod really does help to, to keep you engaged. And it also helps to, uh, to allow you to lean on other people, you know, where you can say, Hey, I'm kind of in a funk on this or no, I haven't been beating my goals in this garden. Um, so the, the pod setting has been excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Now, 
in that journey and in talking to people, do people talk about mostly, you know, their challenges or did you like get a, a tip on a book to read or another conference to go to? Was it, was it a, is it a good, really good quality resource or is it more of a place where you kind of complain? <laughs> yeah, I'd say that it, there's probably a, a mild amount of bitching that's allowed, you know, but it's not just a big bitch session, right? Um, so it is something that uh, I would say 80% or more of the time and content is very positive. Like, hey, guys, you know, I'm hitting my goals here and I, I did this and it was really excellent. And and it very much may just be, hey, you know, I'm, I'm trying to overcome this limiting belief of I'm scared to invest in real estate or um, I want to write this book, but I don't think I'm a good writer, you know, and just those types of things. So it's 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 high quality challenges, not just, you know, hey, like I, I can't get my act together kind of thing. So. Is there anything like a favorite quote or anything that you remember from the tribe that stood out for you that kind of helped you overcome a limiting belief or a way of being something you can think of? Um, I, you know, they're probably the one I think that uh, most people that helps them really get on their journey is the, the say yes and figure it out later. Um, you know, and, and over time you kind of have to temper that a little bit cause you can say <laughs> yes to too much and that can be a problem. But, um, I think that that really just allows people to get the momentum going because you'll, I think the, you you get analysis paralysis. And so you say, well, you know, I need to figure all this out or, Oh, I'm a little bit scared about this. But if you just say, you know what? Yes. It, it's otherwise not going to, devastate me or I'm not taking a ridiculous risk, but I'm saying yes to something that makes me uncomfortable. And once that ball is rolling, I have to figure it out. You know, maybe it's a contract that I have to meet. Maybe it's some sort of delivery I have to make. Um, and so that really just allows you to, uh, to get the ball rolling. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're probably going to succeed, um, you know, one way or another, you're probably going to succeed. But even if you fail, you've taken some sort of action and you're going to learn something through that failure. And so that gives you the, the confidence to try again and say yes and figure it out later so beautiful you know michael i don't know if a professor at a university has has the same um journey that i get to have but i get to to meet you when you're um you know at the beginning of that journey and then you're absorbing all the information you're taking action you're buying things i remember when you bought that land and you're talking about the development and then when you sold it and i'm like oh my god like and you know and you shared it in the tribe and it gave permission for so many other people to think bigger and then i hear you articulating you know basically the essence of the mindset of a millionaire and it, it's coming off very organically for you and so the explanation of the say yes and figure out later, you know, you use the word momentum, which I like, but for those that haven't heard that, the, the psychology behind it, the neuroscience is that we have a part of our brain, the reptilian part of our brain that wants to protect us. So anytime there's something unfamiliar, like investing in real estate or running a marathon or writing a book, the brain goes careful, watch out. You might hurt yourself. You might look stupid. And so it slows you down and the say yes and figure it out later gets you into momentum to consider the next, you know, piece of information and realize that writing a book, what's really the worst thing that could happen is you get a thousand copies in your garage or something like that and they don't go anywhere and you learn that, you know, maybe you need to get a ghostwriter. 
There's always something to learn, but the say yes helps you overcome the conditioned mind that holds you back, that pumps the brakes. And then you start to be uh, open to more opportunities. And so it's these little phrases that allow you to leapfrog the obstacles, get out of your own way and charge towards success like Michael has done and continues to do. How old are you now? I am 33. 33 years old. $2.5 million net worth. Um, I mean, I think even if you just kind of cruised along at this rate, by the time you're 40, you're going to probably be worth $100 million. What do you think of that thought? I love it. (laughs) I can have a lot of fun with $100 million. Yeah. Right. And notice, notice how he doesn't even hesitate. He's like, yeah, I'm done for sure. And so this is the beautiful thing that happens when you get into this ecosystem of the whole life millionaire. Michael, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. And thank you for leaning into everything that we contributed to your journey. And like you said, you probably would have got there anyway. I think we helped accelerate that. At least I hope that we did help polish out a few rough edges when it comes to spending more time with the family and t- truly taking care of this vehicle you have, your body, that allows you to achieve all the things that you're achieving. Some uh, closing comments as we wind this up. Yeah, well, thank you for putting together M1. I mean, truly, it uh, has been a phenomenal organization to be a part of. And I mean, even even outside M1, I mean, there there's always great masterminds out there. And so I just I'd encourage everybody that if you've been on the fence or if you're just kind of starting, just get into a group as quickly as possible. Uh, obviously, you know, I can speak to the success I've had in M1, um, but anything you can do to be held accountable, to be encouraged by others who want something more out of life will multiply multiply your efforts tenfold, um, without a doubt. So that would be the number one step. And then the second one, and you can see it behind me there. It's the, the man in the arena quote by Teddy Roosevelt. Um, I'm actually working to memorize that, uh, but it just, it's so powerful to be comfortable with failing and to really just strive. Um, one of the things that it took me years to get comfortable with after hearing raw and, and just other people say this, uh, that the destination is the journey. And I thought, well, that's silly. You know, no, the destination is the destination when you hit success, when you hit whatever it is that you're going. Um, but it really is so powerful to realize that the best thing you can do for yourself is just to keep going down this journey and to pick yourself back up whenever you do stub your toe and you fall down, um, because that makes you that much stronger for the next success and, and the next thing that you can pour into other people for. So um, I love that quote. I love that mentality, uh, because as long as you pick yourself up again, um, you will be successful at some point because you'll have that grit and that determination and passion. And um, almost 100% of the time, people are rewarded for that. So Beautiful. So there you have it. Get yourself in the arena. Get marred with sweat and blood and dirt on your face, right? Get mix it up. Don't stop sitting in the stands and pointing out what isn't working. And, you know, you fall down, you get up and you learn something. You win or you learn. You win or you learn. But you got to get in the game and life rewards action and all that good stuff. And if you're like Michael, you can take your net worth and go... 10 exits literally in just over three years. So congratulations to you for leaning in and thank you for being one of our graduate whole life millionaires. And we'll see you in Tucson in a few weeks. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Rob. All right. So there you have it. One of our special editions of rock your money, rock your life. And the simple fact is that when you rock your money, you have more time 
to rock your life. So that's why we start with the money and then you can do whatever you want with your time. We'll see you on a next edition of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us on the next episode.